KDAL's Master Gardener, Bob Olin. All right, 917, Bob Olin is here. You can join the conversation, 218-722-0839. Bob, good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Bruce. And that was quite an introductory forecast you had. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, it is what it is. That's what they say, right? Uh, I, I hope that everybody's had an opportunity to get themselves prepared. If you haven't, you've got the day today, basically, to do so. And then uh, all heck breaks loose, it looks like, later on tonight into tomorrow. And we'll uh, we'll see how she lands, right? That's for sure. Now, of course, we've got uh, part of our population that is incredibly expi- excited about the, this. Those that love to ski, I know the kids are going to love it, right? So you got to bring the kid out and you, <laughs> you're trying to get around, trying to work, <laughs> trying to I... get uh, dug out, bring the kid out and enjoy this first snowfall of the year. I told my wife on Saturday, so it, it snowed a, a good amount and it was all that wet, heavy stuff. And uh, our backyard had drifted over last week with the winds, and I, uh, you know what? I'm sending the snowblower out. I don't feel like dealing with this. So I got the style, you know, and, and that was two part. One, I'm lazy. And as I've aged, I've become more lazy. Let the machine do the work. Uh, my back appreciated it, I think. But but the other part of it is that knowing that this was coming, I wanted to be able to get as much cleared out from certain areas of, of the backyard and, and the back driveway, as much of that done as possible so that. I've got wide open spaces for all this new snow we're going to get, and I don't, I don't have to be so thorough with the, whatever we end up getting here. I mean, we're talking twenty inches potentially for some people. That you know, multiple shots. I'm just going to get what I have to get cleared, cleared, and now I've got the room to do that. So that that was kind of a multifaceted reason why I got it out. The other reason was I wanted to make sure it was working good, and we got it tuned up. I made sure the shear pins were in good positions, and. Uh, all that was working. I've got a full can of gas. Let's go. Wow, you you are ready to go. <laughs> as much as I'm going to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, having done a lot of shoveling, a lot of hand shoveling over the years, of course, and don't you appreciate a, a snowblower? Can you imagine uh, taking that all out by hand for any extended amount at least? So do you remember uh, the bad storm we got Thanksgiving weekend in 2019? Uh, like, fresh my memory. I remember that Halloween store very vividly, but go ahead so, and tell me about the Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving store. weekend, 2019, we had blizzard warnings around the area. We got probably two feet-ish, thereabouts, okay. of that wet, heavy snow. And, I mean, that just it paralyzed a lot of neighborhoods in town. And uh, we live in Proctor. I had to stay. We had a hockey game, UMD hockey game that Saturday, and I had to stay in Canal Park. I couldn't get home. That's how bad yeah. it was out. Um, yeah. so then we, I, we, my, my wife and son started moving the snow and the problem was trying to get the snowblower out of the shed out in the back because of all the snow that we'd gotten. So that, that turned into a whole adventure. And then there was only one lane of the road that was plowed. It was just a mess. So yeah, yeah it, that, that we hope that doesn't happen again. It looks like we could get close to that number in some areas though. Yeah, we could. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I'm going I'm to put kind of a gardener's and farmer's spin on this yeah. whole thing, if I may. Absolutely. Uh, we are absolutely enthralled with the fact that we're going to get some moisture here. And I'll put another little spin on it. I was, I was, I've been more increasingly impressed with the importance of water in general. And I think that drought they had in the Pacific Northwest and what they're talking about, this storm being across the country, how fortunate we really are. 
because reservoirs were getting low, of course, and uh, we are so dependent upon a lot of irrigation water these days. Uh, I don't think the average American consumer has any idea of how important water really is and how we've been able to irrigate certain drier areas to bring fresh produce always, but there's a limit to the amount of the water that has to come from somewhere. You know, I heard a couple of statistics as we've got a few people looking at Mars, and you know who I'm talking about, Elon Musk there, that's his mission. But uh, costing something like a billion dollars to get a gallon of uh, water to Mars. So we want to think about how valuable water is. It is the basis, of course, of all life, whether we're talking about our lives, animal life, plant life. It, it all occurs in aqueous solutions. And uh, water is, is central to all of this. So we can think a little bit about that as we get this moisture coming down. I'll share a couple other interesting things as gardeners uh Bruce, we really want uh, this layer, a nice thick layer. It insulates everything. It's going to bring all of our trees, shrubs. Uh, if you plant some fall bulbs, uh, perennial material, it's going to bring it through the winter before we get those severely cold temperatures. The, the hardest winter we can have is one where we get 20 below and a uh, limited amount of snow cover. So this actually is a very good time to get this. We know we're going to get those 20 below temperatures, but we want them all sealed up uh, before that time so we don't drive a lot of frost in the ground, don't have all the problems in rural areas with septic systems freezing up and so forth, and our trees and shrubs manage to get through the winter uh, in, a, in a real good manner. As a matter of fact, uh, they're so adapted to this, but once again, we've had what we call open winters. And, you know, we talk about uh, some of our favorite uh, cultivated, let's use apple trees as, as an example. University of Minnesota introduction, Honeycrisp, great tree gone throughout the world. Uh, it has really been the uh, the first hybrid tree that really has the genetics have spread into a lot of different varieties where we have this wonderful combination of high sugar content, so it's sweet, but a crispness to it as well. Uh, the problem with Honeycrisp for us this far north, it was introduced as a zone four. So if you're along the lake, we got a lot of listeners over in the Wisconsin area, uh, solid zone four. Uh, we get up over the hill, we get into zone three. We get farther north in St. Louis County and uh, up the shore as well, away from the lake. And we're all uh, zone 2B, zone 3, 3A, and Honeycrisp really struggles. But uh, we got away. We planted it for a number of years because we had not necessarily cold winters, but we had winters where we had this nice pack of snow before we got the really intensely cold temperatures. So this snow blanket on, if you're, we call pushing the zones where you're trying to plant plant material that really isn't appropriate for that winter zone, but you can push those zones by planting uh, materials that are a little bit tender where you're protected from the northwest wind, uh, but snow cover is critical all this. So, Bruce, early snow is very good. I'll share another thought or two. The great thing about a blanket of snow, it tends to melt in the spring. We get this wonderful water charge down into, this, into the ground right when we really need it. And we don't have a lot of frost. We've got frost in early and we get snow later. A lot of that runs off. We get a lot of flooding. So getting this snow early is very valuable uh, from a flooding perspective as well. And I'll share one other little thought with you. You know, uh, snow does pick up as it's coming down, pick up, picks up some nutrient, picks up some nitrogen out of the air. And nitrogen, of course, is essential growth component, essential for the chlorophyll, the green pigment that's out there. So we are getting, uh, it's kind of like the poor man's fertilizer that's coming down from the skies. 
it's in a very stable form. It has to be converted into nitrate for the plant to pick it up. But nonetheless, we got to put it first down in the ground. So that's the added advantage, actually, of getting this. Well, we're getting a nice deposition of nitrogen, a great fertilizer that's coming down, and will be slowly released into the ground since we don't have a lot of frost there yet as we come into the spring. So from a gardener's, farmer's perspective, uh, this isn't all bad. I have to remind myself of that because I will have to get out on a couple of occasions here, and uh, many of us will, so we'll be fighting it a little bit. And we'll be moving it, but there are some real positives that go along with it. And, you know, it's it's funny you say it that way. The first thing I thought about when you're talking about the uh, the lack of snow and then the cold is those years, and we've had a couple of them here recently where people are out ice skating on on the lakes that are frozen, and you can see through the ice, and it's just that it's a you're, you're skating on that clear ice, and it's such a cool visual. Of course, the down, the downside of that me is is that what you're seeing likely means we haven't gotten very much snow cover and that's bad in some ways so the snow cover is good and the snow cover is bad the the lack of snow cover is good for some people and and bad for others so you know this is the year where i think the people that want the snow cover are gonna uh they're gonna get their way yeah you know uh and of course recreation the snowmobilers i can imagine the ski resorts are just uh they love this forecast and say it, bring it on, as are the skiers out there, because it will be wonderful. Now, the skaters, as you point out, there's lots of clear ice. I don't think there was a lot of clear ice for them this year. No. So, little slush and other things. So they're going to have to get onto a rink or they're going to have to go someplace else. But, you know, Bruce, we have a winter. It is what it is. And actually, better this than uh, you know, all the concerns about global warming, things drying up, no moisture, uh, temperatures that are too warm. Uh, that for me is even more frightening than uh, than a, a storm or two that we'll have to put up with and we'll deal with for sure. Yeah, we'll 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 make it through here just fine. There's no doubt about that. Bob, we're going to come back after the news. We're going to talk Christmas trees. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. All right, Bob Olin joining us each and every Tuesday for the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. Bob will rejoin us after we get a CBS News and Minnesota News Network update. All that coming up as well. It is nine twenty-seven. Bob rejoins us here momentarily. Reminder, winter storm warning extended to 6 p.m. Thursday as the twin ports could see anywhere from 8 to 15 inches, upwards of 20 inches for the higher terrain along the North Shore. Bob, what's going on, sir? Well, we will touch a little bit on uh, on Christmas trees since you brought them up. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, I'm going to spring something on you. I didn't warn you about this, but I'm going to spring oh, I'm going to spring something on you uh, before we're done here at about nine fifty. All right. Okay, that's that's just fine. We all like surprises occasionally. <laughs> Today we will touch on you know a lot of times and listen to the news, and uh, you know, a lot of times the news isn't too hopeful, but that. That wonderful news on uh, fusion power, net energy gain. Uh, you know, we're all looking for something, some way to get off fossil fuels and some of that difficulty. And uh, that was so positive. And I read about that a little earlier. So if we can somehow find a clean nuclear source, uh, then we're on our way to lots of different things as uh, as mankind here and humankind, I guess, uh, begins to develop. So that was a stretch of very good news that you brought to us this morning. Bruce. I'm all about the good news. That's that's what I do here. <laughs> I, I know you are. Well, <laughs> hockey and sports, that's part of the good news, right. too. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But let's talk about some other news, and that's uh, that's our, our Christmas tree. Christmas tree uh, tradition, evergreens, of course. This one goes back a long ways. goes back to some of our heritage in northern Germany. And um, 
where Luther, I think, was the first individual that actually put uh, candles, lit the tree, and it became part of the Christmas tradition. Needless to say, this is that time of year when light levels get lower, and, uh, you know, it can be really tough for some people the holidays, certainly, and we all feel that a little bit. Maybe not you, Bruce, you're kind of a live wire, you're moving, and you're you're staying active, but uh, the days are getting shorter. For me, I don't have much time to work outside, so i got to be a little bit uh, <laughs> conscious of a little bit of that or a lot of uh, work under the headlamps, I guess, as we go here. But nonetheless, uh, a lot of our holiday traditions come from the fact that uh, light levels were low and people were looking for some sign of life, hence the evergreen, which, and all of these uh, evergreen trees, of course, that don't drop their leaves, these are the needles, uh, are photosynthesizing. They are staying alive, but just barely as we come through the winter months. They're certainly not actively growing, but nonetheless, they are, are living and they're alive, and we're very fortunate in northeastern Minnesota, northwestern Wisconsin. A lot of our native trees are those that have been adopted for use as as part of the Christmas tradition as Christmas trees. Uh, the live trees, of course, uh, everyone can get a tree of one type or another. The artificials, maybe in some ways, it's good some of us have, uh, have taken off because there's never been a real surplus of Christmas trees. Uh, you know, they take a long time to grow. Uh, we're going to say at least a minimum of eight years. And on about the third year, they have to be pruned. They have to be shaped. The advantage of uh, pruning them up and is that uh, they become much fuller in the process. So you can take a Charlie Brown balsam fir, which is native to the area, short needle variety, and uh, one of the disadvantages, very sparse. There's lots of room to hang tinsel and ornaments, I'll say, on a, on a sparse native balsam, but you can prune that up. And many of our growers prune those up real nicely and they become very nice and full in the process. So we've got um, uh, short needle varieties, we've got our intermediate needle varieties and our long needle varieties of evergreens that are used for Christmas trees. I think the short needle varieties have certainly uh, dominated recently, although uh, one of the pines, and most of these are going to be balsam fir now, or they're going to be Fraser fir, and again the firs are short needle varieties. Uh, they're a little different than spruce. That's our other big group of trees that grow natively in this area. Uh, spruce also are short needle varieties. They also are major holiday Christmas trees as well. The big difference, if you want to know the difference between uh, a spruce and a fir, just shake it. Uh, shake its hand. Shake one of those branches. If it's prickly, it's going to be a spruce. If it's nice and soft, it's going to be a fir. So you know right away, if we go back to the firs, basically in this area, we've got balsam, which is our native tree, and then we've got some balsam Fraser crosses that have been planted. And the, the Fraser fir got a lot of attention it, it's not native to this area. It's native to Appalachia. North Carolina is where most of the, the major production comes from. It has an advantage. has a beautiful uh, uh, appearance to it, a little bit longer needle, a little bit more colorful, kind of a, a whitish glaze to it, a little more colorful um, appearance over a straight balsam. But we got crosses that some of our uh, local growers have been planting for a number of years. So the firs are, are certainly uh, very, very important uh, maybe the number one species that's grown nationwide. The other one that's very, very popular, when we move into pines, now pines going to be a little different. Uh, pines have got needles in what we call a bundle, uh, Bruce. You're getting probably more information than you ever wanted, but <laughs> if you want to know the difference between pine and a fir, uh, all of these fir and all the spruce, the short needle varieties, there's a single needle, needle that gets attached to the branch. When we move into the pines, whether it be red pine, Norway pine, one and the same, that's the state tree in, the, in Minnesota, 
and uh, they're always in a bundle. And in the case of uh, Norway, uh, Norway or red pine, it's a bundle of, of two needles. Scotch pine, it's two needles. Scotch is a, a very popular Christmas tree variety, not quite as long a needle as the Norway pine, again in a bundle. And then a white pine, which are so magnificent, and they're trying to reestablish those along the North Shore because the white pine is just just a grand tree. We can uh, point to white pine that are maybe 150 years old. They're magnificent trees. They also shape up real nicely as a as a Christmas tree variety and we do grow a lot of white pine for holiday trees christmas trees in this area they have five needles in a basket so or in a bundle so and they're very very soft to the touch uh the difference um if you're going to plant one and we have a lot of people that have a little bit of uh, acreage maybe just a backyard and they'll plant some of these trees with the idea that uh, down the road uh, five six eight years and they'll spend a little time pruning they will harvest one of these for their own family use and I think that's a, a really really nice idea that people have if you've got a young family going to be in your location for a while plant some of these plant some balsam plants some white spruce perhaps that are native to the area make it real easy get a white pine or two in there protect them from the deer of course initially but uh, then uh, with a plan and about year three or four you're going to be pruning them up shearing them down and then shaping them and it could be a great family activity and then when we get up about seven eight years you harvest one that fits in your home and then every year you can take one you can plant two or three because you're going to lose some so plant two or three with your kids and your family and then harvest one and uh, make this a part of your family tradition i uh, that idea came from a family that i've observed them doing this and i think it's just a, a great way to harvest and, and to grow some of your own for most of us of course we're going to be harvesting and we're going to be buying uh, one place or another little farmers market good place to remember locally produced trees and you know uh, we do have these varieties that the rest of the world wants they do grow native so our native uh, Norway's native spruce uh, scotch pine our spruce white spruce Norway spruce which is not native but it's a great spruce for us black and white spruce are two spruce varieties that are used principally the white spruce for Christmas trees and then our native balsam fir cross now with some of the Fraser firs, so we've got those beautiful crosses as well. So those, the pines and the spruces and the firs are our native trees that the whole world would really like to grow in, their, in our backyard here. Uh, you can go and check the uh, U.S. Forest Service and get permits to, to uh, harvest some of those trees off the only off the um, national forest grounds, but there's another opportunity. We've got cut your owns out there. We've got pre-cut. We've got uh, native materials that are brought in at the Duluth Farmers Market, 14th Avenue and East, and you could also buy uh, from some of the big box displays. So we have got uh, lots of options that we're very, very fortunate to have in this area. And people know I love I love a a natural tree, the key again to a good fresh tree. And one of the things about Scotch pine as well as uh, the Fraser fir, these are two varieties that really do hold their needles a longer time. Bringing them inside, Bruce, kind of tough because pot and it's dry in our homes. And if you don't have enough water with the tree, they will shed the needles shortly after Christmas oftentimes. But we avoid that problem by uh, just fresh cut. You buy a, a fresh tree, you make a fresh cut across the bottom. I like to put it in an area where you don't have to worry about uh, things freezing up. I drop it in a five-gallon bucket and it can suck up all the water it possibly can uh, for a day or so, and then you can put it in the Christmas tree stand, and it will remain fresh. Keep that stand full, because if uh, the stand dries out, uh, then those vessels tend to close up, 
and uh, you stop the flow of water in there. So uh, bring it in fresh, fresh cut. Uh, don't worry about adding bubble up or syrup or anything else to that water for the fresh tree. Water is what we need, but as much as that tree can pick up, put it in the stand, keep the stand full, full and uh, you'll have a nice indoor house plant. I hate to say it, but I like to keep mine maybe until as long as February 1st. And then it goes outside for the birds with a nice uh, string of popcorn as well. So I get as much maximum use out of that natural tree as I possibly can through the season. One of my favorite indoor plants, Bruce. All right, Bob. So we've got a couple of minutes. I said I'm going to spring something on you. Yeah. Uh, but here's what I'm going to do instead because we only have a couple of minutes. And I want to make sure we get the best possible answer. And there's still time next Tuesday to get that holiday shopping done. So I'm going to ask this question now. I'm going to give you a week to stew on it, Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. All right. House plants as a Christmas gift. Ooh, I love it. House plants as a Christmas gift. Types and some tips to, to look for because there's still going to be time for somebody that wants to buy a house plant for a, a loved one in their family for Christmas. House plants as a Christmas gift. We'll talk about it next week. How's that sound? Thank you, Bruce. It's a great talking point, and I love the idea. All right, so we'll do that next Tuesday. Uh, Bob, we got uh, about a minute left. Anything you want to leave the people with? Well, I just want to put a little spin on the snow that's coming. It's going to be a good thing to <laughs> get out there with your shovel and try to get around. Uh, it's it's a good time to get it if we're going to get it because we're you know we everything reverts to the means. Eventually, we're going to get eighty inches of snow every yeah. year. And we'd rather have it early when we get all the major benefits rather than having it later in the season. So we get it now, and we'll have perhaps a lighter March. It's a very good time to have it. It's good for all the plant material out there. Uh, and it can be good for your psyche if uh, if you put on a strap on a pair of skis, even if it's cross across your streets or snowshoes. Uh, it's all good, Bruce. So thank you. It's been enjoyable uh, working with you today. And uh, that forecast, will all get through it, and we're going to put a positive spin on it, okay? Sounds good, Bob. Thanks, as always. We'll talk next Tuesday. We'll get uh, some more details on that forecast coming up.